Hi, I'm Namusa. And I'm Adadana. And this is the Africana Podcast. Now, I don't know why, what our words really are. It's okay. We'll make them up. We'll make them up. No one knows what we are saying. But it's <laughs> Episode five. We made it. Woo woo woo. Bra bra. I don't know why I did that. No, I like that. I like that. That's just like a good intro. Oh, my goodness. Adidana. Yes. So, the dating episode happened. It did happen. What has been going on in your life in the last two weeks? In the DMs? Well, I have not received any nasal sprays wrapped up in bows for those out there who are keeping count. Stay ready. Right. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Exactly. But I did go to the doctor and figure out that I do indeed have a sinus infection. And so this is probably the least nasal I have sounded on an episode. So woo-woo. It's personal, personal victories here. <laughs> but no, actually, thank you to everyone who sent us feedback and commented on SoundCloud and sent us tweets and commented on Instagram about the episode and how they enjoyed our struggles, really. We appreciate it. <laughs> the solidarity. Nusa, your story. 21 phone calls. Your, your Iliad or Odyssey, if you will. That was... Whew. By the way, all of those reactions were real. Neither of us had heard the other story. Prior. Prior. Intentionally. Yes. So my gaps, I'd like to think, were all of us. Oh, by the way, I think, because you mentioned this to me before, if we get a thousand listens mm-hmm. on episode four, on the dating episode... Namusa will release a photo D. of D. His face. The infamous D. His face. The fa- Yes, the face of D. Not, not, the, not D. the D of D. <laughs> <laughs> She'll release a photo of D's face. So, so start listening. So start listening. Tell your friends, your so, family, your grandma. Share. Actually, don't tell your grandma. Oh, yeah. Okay, maybe don't do that. Yeah. But tell folks, or I, why not? I don't want people grandmothers. Grandmas need humor too. You can put that on a t-shirt. Sure. Okay. <laughs> yes. So a thousand listens. Thousand listens. I promise. And I will release a picture. We will release D. D's face. face on our social media. Exactly. So Stay get ready. Get to listen, folks. I was gonna leave this segment off with a previously agreed to National Day of Prayer for the death of mosquitoes because they've kept me awake for the last three weeks now. Although I now think I've realized what it is. They like coconut oil. And we lather that on our lives. And that's... On our problems. <laughs> yeah. On our ends. There's definitely a bottle. On our teeth. Next to my bed. And I think I figured it out. Wait, why do you have coconut oil? What? Why do you have coconut oil? For my hair. Okay. What? Just saying lubricant city. <laughs> Tattoo city, 2030. Vision 2030. No, I see what you're saying. No, it's for my hair. Dude, we got the jojoba oil, all the things. All the ethnic oils. All the ethnic oils for all the natural situations. It's time for our Africa Rising, Africa Still Rising segment. And I have the pleasure of doing Africa Rising this time. And when I first suggested this to Namusa, she was like, really? But now we have seen that since there will be a climate change skeptic as the head of the United States Environmental Protection Agency... This story is now a really good thing and perhaps quite needed. <laughs> so, stay ready. Tanzania makes tree planting mandatory for students, which might not sound very terribly exciting, but I am the environmental nerd with two environmental degrees that I don't really use. But 
important. It does make things like this really great. So starting next year, I'm reading from the East African, Tanzania's first graders will be required to report with, in addition to their new books, a tree seedling. And these primary school children are not alone. Those joining secondary schools will also be mandated to bring with them three seedlings. The environment minister, January Makamba, said in the new directive, which is part of government efforts to protect the ecosystem, will apply to both public and private schools and will form part of an end-of-school assessment. Mr. Makamba said that the children will have to take care of and nurture the young trees as they plan through their schooling years as a new requirement for granting of leaving certificates. So I'm really happy to see environmental education start very young and a part of dealing with climate change is reforestation. So I'm really happy about this. So go Tanzania for being forward thinking on environmental issues. Granted, I don't know about the rest of the environmental issues, but on this one, they've hit a home run. Good job. <laughs> and in Africa, still rising. What I like to say is this has been the only time that Africans queue. Wow. Well, not the only, but one of the most notable. So in Africa, still rising, Gambia uh, a couple weeks ago announced officially that they are making a hot left exit out of the ICC. The Which... International Caucasian Court? Avi. Which yeah, is yeah. what uh, they've called it? Yeah. <laughs> but I kind of get the logic. There have been, or the majority of the cases that have been brought to, forth to the ICC have been particularly Africa-focused. And Kenyan politicians, Gambian politicians, Sudanese politicians, a whole bunch of folks have been very deliberate in using that rhetoric to be like, they're out to get us. Um, and I think what the ICC didn't do effectively is have a really strong communications campaign around like, wait, 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 but you still killed hundreds of thousands of people. Let's try you for your crimes. So there have been 10 cases, all but one dealing with Africans. There have been four convictions or five convictions, depending on who you read. All of them have been African. And the Gambia, actually, their chief information minister cited the fact that, for example, Tony Blair wasn't charged by the ICC for the Iraq war. And I know a lot of people have brought both that name and also President Bush as well of the U.S. So, yeah, I mean, African countries make up 25% roughly of the ICC signatories, but all the convictions and 90% of the investigations. So clearly, there's an argument to be made. But I also don't but think then that what, should be used in a way that gets people out of facing justice. So my concern with it is, one, from what I've read, it seems that this push was against the ICC's mandate that sitting leaders are not immune to ICC mm -hmm. convictions or investigations. And if that's really the inspiration behind this, and you have various leaders saying, mm, but... That, I'm trying to win an election I'm, next exactly, year. Exactly. I'm trying to win an election next year, or... Not even I'm trying to win an election this year, I'm just trying to do this that, and the other to harm the opposition or to achieve this agenda. Then eh, I think your, your, your argument gets a bit watered down. But the numbers also don't lie. The prosecutor herself is Gambian. Mensuda. Right, but that hasn't necessarily changed any outcomes. My question is if you abolish the ICC, what mechanisms do you put in place to make sure that people are held accountable for the horrible things they do? Well, and I haven't heard anything about that. The argument who wants to that is like the regional courts. But everyone who I've heard, like all these leaders, so South Africa who said they're leaving, Burundi who said they're leaving, uh, the Gambia now who said they're leaving, they haven't said, oh, we'll now try in regional courts. <laughs> They've said, oh, we're leaving. 
I like indefinitely. Heard, yeah, like I haven't heard like, anything about. I'm on holiday. Here's my out of office. Yeah, message. I haven't heard anything about. See you in three years. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about what they would do now, and that's I think what concerns me more. Um, I agree. Bus still rising. Ding. So it is now time for the Africana proverb of the week. 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 Like my arms. <laughs> so ridiculous. Uh, so, you love it. So this proverb is inspired by a conversation with my roommate. So I was putting avocado in my hair, and he was obviously quite transfixed slash confused. You should also maybe say that. I should also say that what he is uh, one of our European brothers, and thus quite. obviously hadn't seen anyone in his life put avocado in their hair before. And I explained why I was doing that, and. I also told him you're lucky because my mother used to put avocado and mayo and eggs. But that's the real treatment. That's like the Sunday yeah. afternoon. Yeah, when you know you're not six thirty treatment. When you know you're not going anywhere <laughs> yeah. for like another week because your hair is gonna smell like a salad and not a good one. Yeah. So <laughs> like a cob salad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Black people in magic. Yeah. Sorry. I, I <laughs> on our head. Yeah. Go ahead. So I said, yeah, you're lucky because this is actually not as intense as it gets. And so when I told him, listen. It gets worse <laughs> or better. I mean, there, there's so many other things. And when I told him what my mother's routine, uh, routine was, he was like, wow, that sounds like breakfast. And so the Africana proverb of the week, week, week is a black woman's hair treatment is a white man's breakfast. Ba-da, ba-da. <laughs> Thanks, Dee, for letting me use that. I appreciate it. <laughs> What would you like us to introduce you to our listeners as? Um, I think I would like you to introduce me as Wunri Kahio. Do you want to explain why? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) What? All right. So, first interview question. (laughs) Done. (laughs) Tick. We have the incredible uh, Wunri Kahio here with us. Um, So before we go into too much detail, we'd like to ask, some softball questions. <laughs> the um, so, what do you do? Exactly. How is that a softball question? What are you passionate about and why? Okay, why what does do, it matter? What do I do? I, um, I'm having a bit of a crisis at the moment because I call myself a filmmaker, but I haven't made a film in so long that I don't think I should be introducing myself as a filmmaker anymore. I feel I should just like have a new title or something. Like filmmaker. Pro-temperate. What is it? Those like Latin names for university presidents, like when they're not a president. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a there's a Latin word for it. I'll look it up and I'll send it to you. Yeah, that's what it should be. But I've been writing films. That's awesome. So maybe well, that kind of makes me a filmmaker-ish. I don't know. But sure. I think I am embracing the term Afro-bubblegumist. Ooh. Yeah. That's a new term for me. I know. It's a new for me. Because I want to be a person who creates and curates and commissions fun, fierce, and frivolous African content. I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I feel like an Afro-Bubblegumist is somebody who is um, all about, like, the nonsense of Africa and nothing, like, too serious and crazy. Crazy is actually Afro-Bubblegum, but nothing too serious and, like, agenda-driven and... Because there's more to this continent than agenda. So I want to embrace everything that is, has no agenda. <laughs> so 
And why is that important, Winuri? <laughs> um, I think it's important because we, I think we have a really, really still, in 2016, have a really, really slanted view of what this continent is about. And I think this continent is a lot more fun and a lot more frivolous and a lot more fierce than people actually imagine it to be. And I want it to be reference of Africa, that fun place to go. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like Disney World. Exactly. Yeah. Have you been to Africa? That fun place where everybody's so happy? Vision 2030. I'm saying. So, yeah. So I think that's, that's become my, my mantra for the moment. And it's important because it's important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And sometimes things can just be important because we de deem them to be important. Yeah, exactly. And also maybe it's important because it's not important. So how did you find yourself writing and making films about young black women in science fiction? Oh, that's a hard question. I, 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 most of my characters are female because women are amazing. And I, I mean, I'm married to a man, so I don't mean to like bag on men. Can we also just shut out that you very recently got married to a man? One of the funnest weddings I've been to in a long time. Yeah, it's just crazy. It's crazy that I'm married. I feel like I keep looking at my room going, Oh my god! Plot twist! And I keep saying, like, this this marriage with children life, I feel is the alternate reality. I feel like my real reality is taking place somewhere else, and I'm kind of like peeking into the alternate reality every so often, because even the children, I'm just like, oh, I'm a mother of two children. Every so often, I'm just like, it kind of weirds me out, you know, that anybody would think that I'm responsible enough. <laughs> they're two wonderful children, though. To grow to human beings. Yeah, they're cool. They're super cool. I like them. Mm -hmm. That's important. It is, actually. And From what I've heard. I don't know anything about this, but... <laughs> I, like, I like my children. You were saying that you're married to a man. I am married to a man, so I don't mean to bag on them, but I just feel like women are more complex and more interesting and make more diverse characters. Amen. Um, so all, and also because I'm a woman, fancy that. So it's easy to, for me to write from a woman's perspective. So all of my main characters have been women. Actually, I'm writing my first short story and it's the first story I've ever written where the character's male. Hmm. And how's that different? Is it I different? Think I, yeah, it is. I feel like it is because they have a, I feel men have a different, and I don't know, but I just feel like they have a different way of working things out sometimes. Oh, mm -hmm. I, yeah, yeah. I think we've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They have and, and a different socialization way. or like what do you attribute I that to? No idea. Mm. I actually, because now, especially watching my son grow up, and growing up next to an older sister, and I'm just, I'm trying to, like, figure that out of, of when it happens. Mm. <laughs> and I can't tell, because sometimes he does things that are very male, but sometimes he doesn't, you know? Mm -hmm. And sometimes his sister's a lot braver. She climbs more things than he does, mm -hmm. you know? But he chases chickens and she doesn't. Yeah. So I'm very curious. I don't know. I don't know when it happens. Yeah. I was just, I think my proudest moment this week was when my daughter asked her, what cake do you want? And she's really into princesses and pink, as four-year-olds are. And I said, okay, so what do you want your cake to be? Do you want it to be a princess cake? Do you want it to be a castle? This is for her birthday. Yeah. Do you want it to be Doc McStuffins? <laughs> what do you want it to look like? And she said, I want it to look like Waji, her brother, but I want it to be a girl Spider-Man. There you go. That's the best cake I've ever heard of. Yeah. That was my proudest moment. I was like, a girl Spider-Man? 
perfect. How are you going to make this happen? I have no idea. Really I, just, I sent <laughs> this cake decorator person. Yeah, I sent the cake decorator. Um, my daughter wants a girl Spider-Man. <laughs> that looks like her brother. That looks yeah. like her brother. And here's a photo of his face. <laughs> make it happen. Mm. Yeah, so wow. uh, that's what I'm tasked with. So, yeah, um, I've always wanted to create, and women have been not the easiest, but definitely my first foray. Yeah, mm. and also just my first expression, let's yeah. say it like that. Mm-hmm. They've been my first expression of how to view the world, and that's why it's easy for me to write from a woman's perspective. How has parenting affected your writing? Um, you have less time for it. Mm. You, <laughs> that's like super honest, right? Like, I mean, I get really deep around like character like, oh, creation. Oh my no. children are a new light into the world. <laughs> nope. Give me like, no, no, I just don't do it anymore because yeah. I'm it's raising been, them. It, it took me. It took me about three years to actually like feel creative again. Mm. But I'm publishing a book for the first time in my life. Ooh, yes. nice! I'm publishing my first book, and it's a children's book. Mm. Awesome. So they did really inspire that. Okay. Um, and, and also the way they work. They're, they're really creative. Just the way they see the world. It's not even creative. It's just they see the world in a particular way and you're just like, that is so funny. Mm. Document. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm just yeah. going to write that down. And um, then in 20 years when they realize exactly. all of their phrases <laughs> have been published. Like, oh, Mom, Therapy funds. Where are my royalties? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> um, but... Uh, beca- um, there's, there's, uh, and it sounds so cheesy... But there's, there's this absolutely immense love I have for my children. And if I'm not going to spend time with them, I might as well be spending time doing something that I love. So it's actually helped me decide on what work I want to do and what's, what mm-hmm. work I'll say no to. Because I'd much rather be spending time with them than doing stuff that I don't believe in. And that's the one thing that kind of like really honed my... just Just my time and, and how I want to spend my time. So interesting, because that's how Trump makes me feel. <laughs> like, I know that, like I, Let me connect the dots. Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah please. So I don't, <laughs> I don't have children yet. Step one. Step one, yeah. That's really important for everyone to know. Yeah. Um, but just this kind of, when big monumental things happen in life, mm-hmm. for me, mm-hmm. it puts me in a place where I need to make decisions about, am I doing what I feel like I was put here to do? Mm-hmm. And how do I make decisions around the things that I feel like I need to be doing? Mm-hmm. And how soon do those things need to be doing? Mm-hmm. And I think, I'm not comparing Trump to your children. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that <laughs> like the emotions connected to how do I make that clear is something that I feel very viscerally currently. Yeah. And also, Trump is like team leader fuckboy. Yeah. <laughs> after he won, after Trump won, I logged off all social media because I was just like, it's a good I just don't want to, I, I don't want to come across any supporters and then have to deal and with be them. related to the supporters. Oh gosh, that's even worse. That's a real thing. That's worse. There's a lot of Kenyans in the states. That's worse. Yeah, it's so much worse. But have you seen that safety pin movement? Yeah, yeah. Ex- I mean, yes, explain, I have explain. it. But I just, I like, I like the idea of I am a safe space. Yeah. Yeah. So that really kind of appealed to me. I see anything out of this whole thing that I've just been like... Well, it came from the Brexit. Can you explain the context? So Brexit, when Brexit happened, there were racists, homophobes, yeah, like every ism. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And all the ists. And all the ists were there uh, in public and private, on the tube, spray painted, what have you. Uh, So people started wearing safety pins in order to show others that they were a... 
safe space for all of those who are in the bucket of isms or groups that are marginalized. So Basically, every woman sitting at this table right now. Mm -hmm. um, and so someone in the U.S., I'm not sure who, but appropriated that and uh, made it a symbol for the post-Trump victory as well. Um, although, this is a thing about my mini-feed at the moment. Mm -hmm. What's a mini-feed? So a mini-feed for those over 35. No, I'm just kidding. A mini feed is. <laughs> I am not over thirty-five, and that is my joke. I know, but keep going. So a mini feed uh, is basically my timeline on um, on Facebook. Everyone shares stuff, and I see some things. I pick and choose, but it's a flood at the moment mm -hmm. of everyone's thought pieces, and everyone's a pundit now because everyone hindsight is twenty twenty, and it's fine. Of course, you have, you have to process through things and what have you. Um, but I've seen the anti safety pin. Oh. situation is like, listen, don't wear a safety pin. How about you move to a red state and do this? Or don't mm -hmm. wear a safety pin. Or why don't you talk to your cousins at Thanksgiving who you know voted for Trump and you didn't have that uncomfortable conversation? Mm -hmm. Basically, everybody hates everyone and thinks everything and everything is trash right now. Mm -hmm. So um, there is the pro safety pin camp, but then there's also the camp that's like, whatever, it's not enough because we're all going to die. <laughs> but it really is Armageddon and there could be a story here for you. Yeah. This actually leads kind of into another question of mine. But not necessarily that you have to now write an, an apocalypse story about Trump. Uh, but I don't know that much about sci-fi. I've watched some things and I've seen or heard. So, for example, I watched District 9. And, I mean, they were really shady toward Nigerians. But I enjoyed the movie overall. But it seems, at least at the sci-fi that I see, is all doom and gloom. Mm. I've never seen... Well, again, maybe I'm not the best person to say this because I don't know that much. and I'm not as exposed to it. But I haven't quite seen positive sci-fi. Like, where's the sci-fi story where my bank account is full? Yes. And it's, you know, and, you know, my melanin is popping, and I feel great to be in the world. It's always like there's no water left, or we're now fighting the Hunger Games. What is it? I, Why, well, is that true, number one, that no, sci-fi I'm, I'm sure can be true, doom and gloom, and then two, your thoughts in general? Um, two things. First, I was never a sci-fi fan, which is strange. I've never actually really been a sci-fi fan, and, and then I started writing it, and then it just became the natural thing that I write, mm -hmm. science fiction and fantasy. But I was never like, oh my God, who's science fiction? <laughs> like, I was never that person, which is really strange, because Nnedi is the complete opposite, and Nnedi has become, is my co-writer, and she's like... I can't even explain what Nettie is to me. She's just amazing. She's just like, she's my sister. She's everything. She's like, she's everything. And she just won. And she a just pretty won the Hugo. Yeah. yeah, she just won the That's Hugo incredible. for her novel. Yeah, for her for uh, Binti. Uh, so one, I'm, I can't answer that question. She could. Okay. But I am a big Octavia Butler fan. Hmm. I've never read her work, but I have some of my deep, my dearest friends love Octavia Butler. Right. And not all of it is doom and gloom. Okay. And it is science fiction, stroke fantasy stuff, right? But also Nettie's work, because not all of it is doom and gloom, and it's, it's really interesting, fun reads. Like, Zara the Windseeker, which is, is completely science fiction, fantasy realm, mm -hmm. right? Um, happens on an alternate planet about a girl who's afraid of heights, but uh, discovers that she has an ability to fly and has to use this ability to save her best friend, who has been bitten by a poisonous war snake, right? For um, you. Yeah, it was like yeah. the worst. Always those. Yeah, yes. I hate those I know. Kind of war snakes. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and it's a really, really like uplifting, lovely story for young adults. So, I think it just depends on what you're reading. There is some really interesting 
fun. Okay, good. I, that's going to be my thing because yeah. I can't do sci-fi. The news is sci-fi enough, I feel. Uh, <laughs> I just, no, the I'll, do the, I'll just, do the fun, frivolous yeah. stuff. I actually stopped watching the news. I couldn't. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I try not to. Yeah. There's a really good cartoon that says, I think, is it from The New Yorker? Maybe. I don't remember. But it says that my desire to be informed is at odds with my desire to remain sane. Yeah. Mm. And that has been me for, I don't know, I think post-2013. Yeah. Like when things just got really, yeah. really real. Yeah. Also, the time of age that I kind of became an adult and these decisions started to matter. Yeah. <laughs> and like that veil of childhood is now over. Yeah. And you're like, oh no, yeah. you're a real person now. And these things are consequences and matter. So yeah. I feel you on the no news. Yeah. Where can people find, um, like let's say, not the doom and gloom sci-fi? Like where do people look? So if they're interested in listening or reading or viewing more, where like oh, what's I a good resource? There's so many different resources. At the moment, what I'm following is um, the different podcasts I'm listening to. So Clark's World has really interesting science fiction stuff that, that that's coming out. Um, and it's not all doom and gloom. It's really, really, actually really, really interesting. And diverse? And diverse. Okay. Yeah? That's key. Yeah. yeah. And Tor.com also does that. Okay. Um, and there's also, yeah, so there's... There's many different places that you can find it. Um, you just have to... I think the problem is you have to actually search for it. Yeah. And then listen to a whole bunch of stuff. But, yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely different places that you can find it. And and, it's and we'll list those suggestions in the description. Cool, because there's another one that I've forgotten. And it's like, it's on, I'll have to grab my phone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it has. It's Yeah, so those are the three places that I look for science fiction and fantasy. And it's also really fresh and modern. And it features young writers to, like award winners mm. and it's just yeah it's it's these are really great platforms so as a film fan why is it that i have to go to alliance francaise or for independent film no just african film so for example timbuktu i've yeah. wanted to see that film mm. forever yeah and i was i think i was already living here when it came out i can't yeah. remember or maybe i was in the u.s and i didn't have time to see it yeah either way i couldn't see it yeah for one reason or the other it wasn't online nothing so I finally caught it when it came to Alliance. To Alliance, and I realized that I also go to the Lucifone Film Fest sometimes, mm -hmm. which has really great mm -hmm. uh, films from Lucifone Africa, Portuguese-speaking Africa. And I'm thinking, I don't, with the exception of maybe Queen of Katwe, which wasn't real. I mean, it, it was it's set on film. the continent, mm -hmm. but it was a Disney film. Yeah. Why is it that studio. to get films from across the continent, you essentially have to go to one of these European cultural centers? Like what? Well, because they fund them. What is wrong with our first, first incentives? Because it's not even incentives. It's um, um, some of those African films that you, you you call African films are actually not considered African films because a majority of their funding comes from Europe. Hmm. So they actually considered European films. So they'd have European distributors, and that's why you find them at the Alliance or in European Pizza outlets. Or something else. Yeah, but also because there isn't a huge culture of liking or loving independent film here, just because we don't have to access it, we don't know what to ask for, we don't know how to find it, there's that. Um, and also, I have a friend who says, you don't wake up in the morning and want to watch an African film because African film has become this genre that people speak mm. about. Mm. And that genre includes AIDS and devastation and mm. war and rape yeah. and child soldiers. And yeah. Which is something that gets to me, when I first think of African film, the first word is Nollywood. I, not that I even watch that with Nollywood, it? but that's the first thing I think of. Mm. I don't know why, but it is. But it's Nollywood film. I mean, not for mm. bad. You know what I mean? Like this. I guess that was not shade. Woo! Yeah, it's not shade. I yeah. felt that breeze. <laughs> it's not shade because I think brow. that's it's also 
also in um and in, in in any other part of the world we this i mean there are films they, mm -hmm. i mean nollywood sure. do create films but they create straight to dvd or straight to tv films right, right? Yeah. or straight so, to Roku, maybe who knows yeah exactly or straight to Roku or straight to digital platform or whatever yeah so there's there's that and then there's films that have cinematic release so i think there's there's different versions of it as well there's different platforms of it as well and I am in awe of Nollywood mm -hmm. because there is I have never seen any country that has been able to distribute films as widely spread as they do. Like they have distribution every across across Everywhere. the world. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, a, mm -hmm. it's amazing. It's like major, and I just feel like more filmmakers should just tap into this Nollywood or whoever the distributors are <laughs> and just kind of tap into that distribution method or whatever it is because it's it's working really well. Now that Nigerian soft power through Nollywood. I hear there's a cartel, though. And DeVito. Dude, I need to be part of that cartel. I need to get in. Do you have a number? A WhatsApp? Yeah. Email? I'll see what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm joking. <laughs> oh, I know you know. <laughs> So, the governor of Matracos County, which is near to Nairobi, has announced that he will not charge, or the county will not charge fees to any filmmakers who decide to do production there. Do you think that's something that would help? Well, I just don't know. Production it depends or? on what fees. I mean, is it location fees? Is it uh, film mm -hmm. permit fees? Is it, like, there's so many fees that they currently already <laughs> charge. <laughs> yeah. No fees for who? Yeah. So, so I'm not no sure how that helps. <laughs> and I feel like... What he should be fighting is the bigger problem, which is the the film, like the the film thing that they're trying to. Oh God. God! Like that's the issue that everybody should be fighting. The idea that uh, Uncle Zeke, yeah, is going to be pushing a film bill that basically allows such horrible things to happen in the industry. I mean it. Uh, it's just uh, I can't even get into it. It's just it's it's the bill that he's trying to push is so horrible, including the idea of the presence of policemen on every set to report back to the government what content you're making, and they get to decide if the content reflects the national value of Kenyans. <laughs> what a Kenyan national value! So I think it's great that there's no fees in my chakos. <laughs> now you know, but. <laughs> How will that help when people can't make their films because they're just hindered by all this bureaucratic nonsense about how they get, like, how you can actually make your film? It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. I think we should be fighting one battle at a time, and the first battle is to kill that film policy. How can people thing. do that? At the moment, there's a hashtag stop the film bill going round. I think people should join that hashtag, and they should be talking about it, mm -hmm. and they should be talking about the idea of freedom of artistic expression, freedom of the press, and there's so many other rights that are going to be denied if that film bill goes through, including it being completely unconstitutional. That um, if mm. that should be the first concentration. Well, the next time I see Governor Mutua, I'll, I'll let him know. Please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now that we've asked you all the softball questions. That was a softball That was a softball question. <laughs> yeah, ready, girl. Now for the hardball, okay? Yeah. So we're going to ask you... Mm -hmm. We're going to give you two different options, mm -hmm. and you just have to say the first thing that comes to your mind, mm -hmm. and then maybe a little bit about why. Okay, cool. Ready? Yeah. Sukuma Wiki or Kachumbari? Sukuma. Any day, any time. Why? Iron, supposedly, but now they've defunct the idea that there's a lot of iron in Sukuma, so I'm not sure. Ugh, so it's just foliage. And Sukuma, for our listeners, is? Sukuma is kale. Yeah. Tenor pencil. It depends. 
one. Because initial ideas are written in pencil, and then when they become a little more concrete, I write them in pen. But I'm very specific about my pen. It has to be a, a fine tip pen. I honestly cannot be creative in like um, anything that's not ballpoint. Yeah. Mm. So actually, like the bic, the really, really like the yellow bic with a fine tip. The bic for women. Did you see that? <laughs> I saw that. What the about? <laughs> because women in our dainty hands, we write differently. I saw that. <laughs> Is it pink as well? It, it is, is probably pink, pink is. and purple. Wait, doesn't Vic also do the shaving thing? And yeah, it was yeah. the exact same razors, yeah. but just marketed with a different color. And costs more. Yeah, they do because... Because yeah. we don't make 70 cents to a man's dollar. <laughs> we have disposable We are less and we have to spend more. It's good. Yeah, that's because we good have husband's, husband's money. Duh. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Obviously. Um, Janet or Michael? Janet or? Michael. Gosh, that's a hard one. I love Janet, though. I do. And she's living her best life now, clearly. She just had a baby. Did she? she? Oh, she gave At birth. At 50, I think. No way. She didn't give birth, did she? She's uh, pregnant. She's yeah, yeah. real close to having a baby, as she hasn't already given, oh, like, wow. maybe as we're speaking, she's giving birth to a child. Wow. Somewhere in Doha. That's great. Well done, Janet. Possibility models. I believe in you. <laughs> and then the final question, which is just, like, mm-hmm. quintessential Nairobi. Mm-hmm. Cold or warm, still or sparkling? Uh, cold sparkling. Hmm. The other day, we went into the store, and uh, gosh, I feel like my children have become so bougie. It's <laughs> <laughs> actually a problem. So we went into the store, we went to buy some stuff, and then my, my, my son goes, who's two? I want sparkle water. Like, from nowhere. And the whole, like, nakumat stopped. <laughs> so, like... Whose child wants sparkle water? Yeah, anyway, yeah. At least he didn't say I want warm or cold or room temperature. Yeah, it's true. And like could, warm Tusker. He could he all would have had a whole other set of problems if he was asking for Tusker as opposed to sparkling water. That's true also. So he likes his sparkle water. So sweet. It's actually really disturbing to me. I love it. I just realized. I, just, I mean, because I discovered sparkling water when, like... When you're Karen gets to yeah, exactly. it two like years ago. Like year yeah. ago. And then my two-year-old is all, sparkle water. <laughs> it was so never an option for me until I moved here. Really? Yeah. Ethiopians have, like, Ambo. Yeah, Ambo. Ambo, just saying. Which I feel is an untapped the good distribution I'm telling you. opportunity. Ambo but then water. So how? Good. Why? From, it's natural from Ethiopia. Natural no, but... Sparkling mineral water. But why did you just discover it? Well, no, in the U.S., it's not like you get the, these options. Just you want water. You don't get these San Pellegrino, for sure. No, but I, it's, not a, it's not as pervasive or as... I don't know. I mean, I go to the restaurant, and you just ask for water. There's, they don't ask you still or sparkling. They right. just give you water. But you, you know, ask for the sparkling if that's what you want. But you know you've made it when you ask for sparkling water, don't you? It's like... It's status. <laughs> Even if it comes in the plastic green Even bottle. Even if it comes in the plastic <laughs> bottle. And when they give you the option, they're like... Or San Pellegrino, you're like, I will take the San Pellegrino for 500 shillings for water. Why? <laughs> oh, dear. Sour. Well, thank you, Wonderay, so much for joining us today. Uh, please tell everyone how they can find and support your work. Oh, gosh, I wish I could find and support your work. <laughs> Step one. <laughs> Um, oh, uh, I'm currently writing. So there's um, there's the the short story that came out in Clark's World. There's another story that Nettie and I wrote that hopefully should be coming out soon. So I think the easiest way is to follow us on Twitter. 
either Neddy or myself, and Neddy's at Neddy, double N-E-D-I, and me is at Winery, W-A-N-U-R-I. Yeah, we I think we really got... Yeah, we did. On those we left early adopters. Yeah. There's a guy so. in Indonesia who has Adidana, and it makes me so mad because he doesn't tweet. Oh. I'm like, you! I know. Same thing on Instagram. This is the same Indonesian guy. Same thing on... For me, it's online. Winery.com is taken. Who has it? Scams. By um, some guy whose name is Nuri. Oh. Uh, at least I have Adidana.com. Nice. But I don't have... But it's still... It irks me. It irks me. Yeah, I can understand that. A little bit. I understand that pain. <laughs> well, thank you again. Anytime. And I am subscribed to your podcast, and I will be pushing that subscription all over. Thank you. Be like Winuri and subscribe. <laughs> SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, all the things. Bye. Later.